Hello and welcome, 2nd of March, crikey, time is flying by and thank you for joining me today on Red Risks Media. So we've got a very special show today and I've got some very special guests. Let me give you a quick introduction to my guests today. Workplace Health and on the show we have Kelvin Williams. Kelvin Williams is an independent occupational hygiene consultant with over 30 years experience providing a wide range of occupational hygiene services to clients in the public and private sectors. Prior to establishing a consultancy business in 2003, Calvin's experience included roles as Head of Environmental Health and Safety at Stanger Consultants, Chief Occupational Hygienist at Wimtech Environmental, formerly part of the George Wimpy Group, and Operations Director for the Occupational Health and Environment Divisions at National Britannia Limited. Kelvin is the President of the British Occupational Hygiene Society and a Chartered Fellow of the Faculty of Occupational Hygiene. Also on the show today is Dave Rogers. Dave is a highly experienced professional and well-respected occupational hygienist and HSE specialist. Dave is passionate about readdressing the balance and making occupational health and safety of equal importance. Dave provides clients with professional and solutions-oriented services in occupational hygiene, occupational health and safety, environment and strategic management consulting. Dave has worked in a wide range of industry sectors and in over 60 countries. Let's welcome to the show, Kelvin Williams and Dave Rogers. Dave Rogers. Warm welcome. How are you, Kelvin? How are you? Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> good, yeah, good afternoon, afternoon everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, thank you for joining me today. I hope you're both well and uh, staying safe. Yep. As well as can be. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we first started talking about putting the show together, we came up with the title of "Towards Sustainable Workplace Health." So let me start with you, Calvin. There were some ideas behind why we sort of um, put it in that title. Maybe, maybe you could sort of give us a quick overview on that. Uh, yeah, uh, the theme "Sustainable Workplace Health" underpins the BOHS strategy for the next uh, uh, few years. And it, what it's, uh, I think another way of putting it is uh, in a kind of simple terms would be like, is, you know, prevention is better than cure. Yeah. And if you are going to sustain the health of the workforce, uh, does it not make sense to try and prevent exposure to health risks happening in the first place rather than concentrating our investments on mm. treating them later? Now, my involvement uh, with this started about uh, ooh, 20, 25 years ago, when I was working at uh, National Britannia, I was overseeing the occupational health division in the operations director role uh, at the time. And uh, what I noticed was that um, the nurses that we would send out to the occupational physicians, they would visit various workplaces and factories. Generally, they would be introduced to a first aid room or somewhere similar. And the staff would be marched through the door to have medicals done, possibly treatments, fitness for work assessments, uh, and so on. Now, there's all this investment by these companies going into provision of that service, but the service is really focusing just on treatment, on clinical interventions and the like. Would it not make more sense to concentrate on looking at the workplace and the risks, the health risks in that workplace that will give rise to somebody walking through the door the first in the first place. Surely, that's a, a better investment. So at the time, uh, we had uh, several dozen nurses delivering these services, and we had a team of occupational hygienists as well in the same division. And I thought, 
we can make sweet music here. We get to complement what the nurses are doing on the clinical side with the preventive uh, side as well, with uh, workplace exposure science being brought to bear on the services the nurses uh, are doing. So I incentivize the nurses to pass leads uh, and inquiries through to the occupational hygiene team. Uh, simple thing, you know, if you pass a lead or a referral to, to the occupational hygiene team, there's, you know, a, a little prize on you for doing that. Several months passed and we didn't get any incentive, no leads referrals whatsoever. So that's when I really started to dig in and find out that these nurses weren't actually getting anywhere near the workplace. Now, the other side of the coin on this is what happens if one of the nurses did get into the workplace and it transpires that chances are they wouldn't know what to look for once they were there anyway. Mm. So this whole side about uh, the science of preventing workplace health risks exposures was just absent from this so-called occupational health service. Now, when people think about occupational health services, they'll be thinking about doctors and they'll be thinking about nurses. That's the traditional uh, approach from it. You'd be lucky if you find there's any occupational hygiene input uh, to that service. Now, I put it to you that the latest health and safety executive statistics on this paint a picture of the consequences mm. of this. The workplace health statistics haven't dropped, uh, I think just recently, they've increased a bit over the last 20 years. Now, you could say, well, you know, there's a latency period with health issues. You get exposed to something today, you might not see the disease for 20, 30 uh, years time. Mm -hmm. And I take that point. But surely there's been uh, enough expertise and knowledge about occupational hygiene principles for long enough for us to see those figures uh, coming down, mm -hmm. especially given how much industry and society is spending on what they call occupational health. I, I think it's just not a sustainable way of mm -hmm. delivering occupational health. Mm. Why not term it, we should be looking for sustainable workplace health, whereas we're investing in a service which has an impact in reducing ill health as opposed to just treating it. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the occupational health services that have been uh, in the past. They just need to be complemented mm. with um, uh, the, the preventive uh, side of things. Mm, so yeah. I see sustainable workplace health as an mm. approach in delivering the uh, occupational health package with as much focus and investment on the preventive side as on the clinical treatment side. That is sustainable uh, investment-wise. It's sustainable for the NHS budget and for what goes on behind the, the front door of people's families when they faced uh, with mm. the health of, of, of a loved and dear one be going downhill. Mm. So that's where the concept of sustainable workplace health is, is coming about. We've got all kinds of things in our strategy and different uh, papers out there to achieve this. And so we are putting the rubber on the road uh, with this, with various initiatives to make to bring this about as best we can. Mm. Let, let's, let's unravel that a little bit more. Um, and I want to dive into it a, a bit more. Before we do that, I just want to sort of do a, shout, a few shout outs here. Vince, welcome welcome to the show. Dr. Wayne Sundberg in Bahrain, welcome as well. Now, Vince has come in with a question, which I want to pop up later on. But before we do all of those questions from chats, I just want to ask Dave. Dave, you've got a foot in uh, many camps, uh, safety, <laughs> health, uh, various other things. From what Kelvin said there. Do you sort of uh, resonate with that? Do you align with what was said there? Um, yes, yes, I do. Um, you know, I, I've had a, a very similar experience to Kelvin uh, when I started uh, uh, my career in occupational health and safety and occupational hygiene. Uh, I was I was part of a um, 
you might recognise the, the accent as being slightly New Zealandish, and uh, I, and and I did spend a few years out there. And when I was out there, I was um, in charge of an occupational hygiene and environmental chemistry laboratory, which was the arm of the Department of Health, and all of their occupational health nurses, occupational health doctors, their health and safety inspectors uh, came to us to get the services of occupational hygiene. And, uh, you know, it was the same feeling that I had, as, as Calvin said, that uh, it was really difficult when it was on the occupational health side to get anybody actually out into the field. And at the, at the hard end of, uh, of, 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 the, of the problem, if you like. Mm. Um, now, uh, what resonated with me in what Calvin just said was um, that we have to invest in work, sustainable workplace health. Now, this is not a, a, an old concept at all. Um, you know, we invest in our businesses uh, and organisations in many different ways. Um, and, uh, and often... And I mean, you, you know, Sonny, that um, I also have a foot in the financial institution area and uh, doing work in due diligence and things like that. And what we find in that area is that um, the people who want to buy a new company are buying it to put money into it, to pull that money out in a few years time with a nice big bonus associated with it. Um, that's the investment and the outcome for them. And I use the word outcome is... Um, um, a nice pat pot of money. Now, what what if you look at the literature for for investments, uh, the financial institution investors these days, uh, what they're now stressing is that we don't invest in companies just because it, they have assets. Like, for example, we'll we'll make more widgets by building a bigger factory and a bigger piece of machinery in there, and and we'll get our money because we sell more widgets. Um, that's the traditional way of, of looking at it. Uh, now, and you can look at books like uh, Impact by um, Sir Ronnie Cohen, for example, uh, came out a couple of years ago, is, is that you don't invest in the outcome. You invest in the outcome and the impact of what you're trying to do, not the process of what, what you, you do to get there. So if you think, if you turn that back, and while the way the, the macroeconomics and the financial institutions and so forth are thinking about this, think about what we do normally in health and safety and occupational health and, and, uh, and, and HSE. We create a process, we create plans, we create programs, but, and we invest all our efforts into um, actually making those programs work. Um, whereas... Um, we have very little concept of what we're trying to do at the outcome of that, mm. which for us is sustainable workplace health, a healthy worker. Every worker has the has the right, according to the International Labour Organization, of decent work. And that is very clear in my mind that that's what we should be aiming to provide people with. Mm. Thanks, Dave. Now, uh, so we've We've now positioned this in such a way that Kelvin's given an overview, you have as well. And I guess we're all in alignment in terms of this. Let me just pick up a couple of questions here, maybe some comments as well. Firstly, Sean Lundy is saying sustainable workplace health. I really like that strategy. Well, stay tuned. We're going to go into that a little bit more. 
Um, now, uh, Vince is saying, uh, okay, so Vince Vince comes on the shows quite regularly and he says about, you know, the number of fatalities and the ILO statistics and so on. So there are literally hundreds of workers, ill health deaths, etc. When do we get resources in proportion between health and safety? Those ratios are horrible. I think we all agree those ratios are horrible. They're, they're not, not acceptable. Uh, will we ever get those in balance? Um, I don't know. Let, let's, let's leave that for the moment. We'll come back to that. Um, oh, UK delivers occupational death, not occupational health. Okay, so let, let's park those up. And guys, everyone on live chat, please do chime in with whatever you want. Now, I'm gonna, I haven't got any questions. I wanted to, I wanted to let my mind wander in these discussions because I wanted to try and pick up on my experiences and also having worked with Dave on a few projects as well to try and bring these conversations together. Just for my own sanity to make sure that I've understood this, what we're saying is that we're looking at something that's sustainable. We need to maybe do think about some sort of skill sharing when we think about where people end up in hospitals and, and nurses and all the other they they have an opportunity to and, I, and i'm going to use the expression root cause they have an opportunity to input into the root cause aspects to make sure that we have a more balanced approach in terms of understanding what's going on is have i misunderstood it is that is that what we're trying to say to get a better understanding of what's going on yeah i think that's a, that's a very good point you're making there sonny it's it forms part of some of the initiatives that we've taken uh, within bohs we've got to like uh, think of ourselves in society you now what's our raison d'etre what are we about and we've got to be careful that we don't fall into becoming the british occupational hygienists society <laughs> but rather we become the Brit you know we make sure we focus on being the british occupational hygiene society promoting those principles of good occupational hygiene practice wherever that they're required they might not be delivered by a professional occupational hygienist in fact i come across a lot of situations where there are folk uh, who perhaps even have heard of the word occupational hygiene but are nevertheless doing it because of necessity in their work i would love to link in with them and, and introduce them to a, a group of people who have walked these problems many times before and are aware of a myriad different solutions to the kind of problems that they're facing. I'm not asking them necessarily to become a, a, a registered, a, a chartered occupational hygienist. Like that. I'm just asking them to adopt good principles of occupational hygiene. It's our job uh, to promote that. So um, some initiatives, just like a, perhaps I can throw a few things off the top mm, of my head. Mm, um, mm. Now we have we have a new chief executive officer in BOHS and comes from an academic background and uh, he's uh, raised the, the the idea about well, why don't we put modules of occupational hygiene into STEM undergraduate courses? So, course. for example, if you're doing civil engineering at University of Birmingham or something like that, there will be a module in that uh, degree uh, which addresses the principles of preventing workplace uh, ill health, mm. and then you can kite mark that degree that it carries this banner that it's it's the degree has an element of sustainable workplace health uh, built into it mm. and so i'd like to see that kind of built into stem subjects uh, elsewhere and when it comes to health and safety people now we uh, they call themselves health and safety people but let's be honest they most they're, they're really safety people and they if they're talking about health it's with an extremely small h uh, indeed I think one of the problems there is that, uh, and it's, this is to do again with the traditional model of occupational health delivery. They see the word health and they think uh, that's the premise of the medical fraternity, man. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. means, you know, doctors, nurses, all kinds of complex governance things uh, and all the rest of it. I better still be well clear of that and I'll leave that uh, to the doctors and nurses. 
Mm. Whereas mm. I, I, I put it to you that we can introduce health and safety uh, rank and file to all kinds of engineered, administrative system process measures, which they can look at and put in place to deal mm. with uh, Ill, Ill health issues at, um, at work. Mm. Now, we, we're issuing at the moment, uh, we've just um, uh, revised our um, uh, a course called a BOHS call, called a Certificate in the Control of Health Risks in mm. Construction. That's what it's uh, based on. And I was engaged on the, on the pilots of this course just a few months ago. I sat with uh, you know crowds of health and safety guys and talking about uh, health um, in eight hours worth of materials presented. I don't think we talked stethoscopes or standing on the scale or blowing it about <laughs> once. But the whole thing, the whole thing has been about what you can do, Mr. Health and Safety person, to own this mm. area of mm. preventing health-related uh, issues. Mm. So, uh, so when you're saying about inputting the skills and the principles into other professions and the like, mm. I think absolutely that's something uh, that, that we should be doing, that we are doing, that's what we're working on, it's one of the initiatives. Mm. In fact, Sean, Sean has actually uh, come on one of the points you made there, says I teach on an MSc in occupational hygiene at the University of Greenwich, which shares modules with the HNS MSc. This really benefits the health and safety practitioners, but our numbers on the MSC OH program remains low. How can we encourage more people to consider an OH career? Could Dave, look, what Kelvin said there, okay, I'm, I've done a little bit of OH, not as much as you guys, you know, I've been involved with workplace health monitoring for dust and other things and uh, VOCs and so on. Do you not think that occupational health is maybe got a an image issue if, if what Calvin is saying there well, well, I mean you've got your foot on both camp what's your thoughts Dave mm. well 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 I don't know whether occupational health has got an image issue I mean we've it, it's certainly got an image issue when when we look at it as uh, people at the workplace end of the spectrum if you like looking up at um, uh, how occupational health is managed throughout the uh, the companies that we look at mm. um, and, and and to be honest occupational hygiene as a profession I, I don't know what our image is I mean I don't know that we have an image uh, that's big enough that you know if you ask any students that are standing in line uh, enrolling in courses um, who's who's even going to know what occupational hygiene is and this is something that we're really having to work hard at and and at uh, BOHS I've sit on some of the one of the committees that is looking at these sorts of things yeah. and we're really yeah. having to try to work really hard to get our connections with the universities as strong as possible as we can get because at the moment there's only two, a handful of universities who like like Sean who that who have a course in occupational yeah. hygiene so we're trying to build on that and that's one of uh, Kevin Bampton's um, missions in life is who he's the CEO of the BOHS is yeah. to get that connection with higher 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 education really really strong so we actually capture people as, as early as possible in the um, in the st yeah. in their in their growth stage of education <laughs> It's interesting for me, and I must apologize to, to Calvin, to Dave, and everyone out there, because in my, in my naivety, I assume the H was health, but it's not. It's hygiene, isn't it? Well, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. And, that, and that, to me, is quite fundamental. And in fact, Vince yeah. is actually saying occupational hygiene. Uh, Melissa's on the stream team saying we need more engineers moving into health and safety. But, you know, I and someone i can't see who said this very difficult for engineers to think through the lens of psychology and would say okay so there's some comments now what i'm trying to say here is that maybe 
it's a problem that we have with the way we are Hmm. The way we're educated in some of these things, we, send, we tend to think of the H, whenever we see H in acronyms like HSC or BOHS or something, we think of H as health, but it's not, is it? Are, are they probably, two yeah. fundamentally different things, aren't they, Kelvin? Uh, well, not fundamentally different, I, I would right. say. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, imagine this is how it goes for your average occupational hygienist. Somebody invites you around for dinner yeah. and they ask you what you do. And you say, uh, I'm lock you know, I don't say I'm an occupational hygienist. I might kick off with like, uh, well, I'm a, I'm a special sort of like a workplace exposure scientist who deals in uh, uh, preventing disease and making sure that people retire healthy and get to enjoy like a, a retirement with their grandchildren and so on and so forth. It's uh, fascinating. I deal with all sorts, quarries, mines, construction, chemists, uh, pharmaceuticals and all sorts. And uh, they say like, oh, that's just just sounds so fascinating. So tell me more about it. Now, at this point, I might drop the H-bomb, the hygiene word, okay? Right. Now, when I use the H-word, the hygiene <laughs> word, okay, you get uh, the polite smile, but the face is kind of flat, okay? Mm. And the, perhaps they'll respond to you then and tell you, oh, hygiene. Yeah, my mate made a fortune flogging hand sanitizer the last 12 <laughs> months or so, okay? And that's the kind of thing that, that we're used to, okay? We've got an image problem born of semantics. Now, we've gone over this issue for a couple of decades uh, in occupational hygiene, and we have exhausted the lexicon of words that mean uh, preventing uh, disease. And despite all this, there's no other word out there that coins it quite like hygiene. Okay, so uh, we, um, we what we've decided to do is to is to build on people's um, of what comes to their mind when they think of occupational hygiene. That's the work that's left uh, open uh, uh, to us, okay? Uh, and so that's what we're engaging with, is trying to kind of like, um, uh, trying to kind of energize folk to kind of realize a higher vision of what occupational hygiene uh, is all about. Um, for, for a lot of people, if they, if, they, if they understand occupational hygiene to be like a low level technical job, do you know what? Uh, I, when you look at what the market for occupational hygiene services and the demand, I, I wouldn't blame them for, for thinking that because a lot of it is, is based around just workplace monitoring type surveys, uh, running pumps and stuff like that, when it is so much more. So it is up to us uh, as a society to work at a much higher level uh, at, with all stakeholders to get people understanding what occupational hygiene means and to get a much more kind of like a, a better respect for it, uh, to uh, try and get people to understand the gravitas that comes along with the uh, with the status of being a chartered uh, occupational hygienist. I keep reminding people, uh, especially the junior people in the profession, what you're doing is extremely serious. Um, whether you get this right or wrong could depend on whether somebody not uh, gets cancer or not. This is what mm. we're talking about. It is really serious. And mm. it deserves the kind of like a professional gravitas um, that uh, many other professions in health do, okay? So that's the, the job that's on our hand. Now, we've been on this road for some time already. Uh, we've got the, um, the charter status for hygienists. We came in a few years ago. Uh, that's been a, a great help. And we have a campaign such as the BOHS Breathe Freely campaign, which has raised the profile of the society a great deal. Uh, but we've still got a long way to go. I think one of the key things we've got to look at for the next five years is professional standards uh, within the occupational hygiene uh, fraternity. So that, um, uh, so, let's put it this way, there's a lot of people out there pretending to do uh, occupational hygiene services and offer that when all they're really doing is workplace uh, air monitoring and the like, okay? Mm -hmm. So we want to like uh, be, uh, make sure that, that there's 
differentiators out there so clients, workplaces, industry can tell the difference between what good occupational hygiene is all about as opposed to what's been offered on some uh, website uh, elsewhere. Okay. So that's a, that's a key mm. focus for our strategy in the next yeah. like, uh, uh, several years. Sorry, Dave, let me just get this. Identify, Lauren says, identify and eliminating harm at the earliest design stage is the way to go. All disciplines should come together and support that. Sorry, Dave, did you have something to say there? I was just going to say that Lawrence has just said uh, you've got to build yeah. and design into yeah. you, you know you've got to start as soon up as soon as you can up the food chain of a of a business if you like uh, at the design stage at the operational stage uh, construction operational and maintenance and decommissioning as well all through those phases of a company's life whether it's or, or a business's life whether it's a project or a um, or a or a, a proper manufacturing company or whatever. Um, you, you know, you build it into the, pro you, you know, you, you align yourself uh, as early as possible into the processes that are there. And as I said, we're investing in those processes, but there's a trick in the tail that we still have to talk about is, is, is how you can deal with those outcomes as well. Yeah, and it's competence with that design fraternity to recognise the issues and know what to do uh, about them. So uh, I spend a fair amount of my life involved in the in the construction industry, and uh, one of the challenges there is that, uh, say for example, it's it's a major project of some description. Uh, the design for that project may have been uh, developed 10, 15 years ago when rubber stamped, and so today's practitioners are having to execute that design in a healthy way according to 2021 standards, and and that poses all kinds of issues. Okay, now thankfully best thing about the construction industry is that I don't think I've worked in any industry elsewhere with such a can-do positive attitude to overcoming problems and improvising on the hoof. They're just fantastic mm. at it. So I've seen some great initiatives done uh, by the industry in the last couple of years. And uh, But here's the thing is that uh, while some of the design community are building in uh, what we call health risk indicators into parts of the job at a very high level, uh, we can flag them. Um, but for, for the design, for the portal design folk, what do they do next? Where do they turn to for you know uh, understanding what how significant is this risk that I just flagged? Uh, how much should I be spending to like uh, overcome this risk? Uh, what kind of what are the alternatives out there? Now that level of skill, knowledge, training, and experience, uh, well in the construction fraternity at least, is is sparse. In, indeed, in fact, it's generous to, to use the word sparse. Okay, mm -hmm. so we are working at the moment as how do we skill up. Uh, this community to be able to, to to manage this process. So, and then by analogy, you can take that um, approach to other industries uh, as well. Mm. Hope we can pull that off. Yeah. Mm. Now, this title towards sustainable workplace health. Okay. Let me let me put something to you, and then see see where this goes as a discussion. So, the last year was a was a terrible year, as we as we all know. We all went through this horrible pandemic. Okay. Um, we're still going through it now. Um, and in 2020, what I noticed was the narrative changed relative to 2019. In 2019, we used to talk about safety, 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 you know, and a lot of times it was like the nanny culture of being spoon fed safety. But in 2020, the narrative changed. The government started to have these sessions, as you know, every day, five o'clock or whatever, and they start talking about risk, okay? The reproductivity value, this and that and so on, and efficacy. I only noticed less than less than a handful, less than five, where the word hygiene, if at all, it was mentioned. I thought that was appalling because there's a lot of work being done in that sphere, in that sector. How are we going to get towards sustainable workplace health when we haven't got enough critical mass 
to head us in that direction. You need to, you need to get some buy-in first, don't you? What, what, what do we do in terms of that? Uh, I, I think um, I'm at risk of like uh, going over like the old ground of the first half of the, of, the, of the interview here, but pretty much what we've been doing, the professional standards, getting ourselves out to the media, engage with stakeholders, putting materials into higher education courses, uh, influencing all kinds of professionals with materials which they can use. And be with chess, you know, if we hope we can pull this off next year, is give them materials for free, which they can put in their courses to kite mark them and flag them. To give those different courses and different industries then like a, something which looks like a differentiator and a competitive advantage if they've got good, uh, sustainable workplace health built into their uh, education and the like. And you know, I find that when I'm engaging with folk and, uh, and talking about occupational hygiene, be they engineers or health and safety people, if you can sit me in a room with them for like six to eight hours, and, and I can go through my materials on chemicals, noise, vibration, and, uh, and whatever else like we, we need to, to talk about, uh, they are just so animated by the end mm. of the presentation. And several I've engaged with are looking to pursue a career in occupational hygiene uh, uh, as a result. So we know that if we can get you know, the message in front of people of what occupational hygiene is, people will bite. We yeah. know they do, okay? So that's the job that's before us, so to keep uh, pushing that. It's not that we're not doing it, just yeah. uh, keep doing the right thing, I think, is sure. what uh, we need to I be mean, doing Sorry, Kevin, I get that. I get the fact you've got the tools, the the bump, the the material, and everything else, but it's like the horse to the water thing, isn't it? How, how, it's about how do you, Dave? How do how would we go about? How would you go about persuading people that it's something that they should do and go towards it? What what's your carrot to do that? <laughs> well, well, I mean, the carrot. I, I think the I think this comes. I mentioned. Sorry, I'm thinking on my feet here a little bit, Sonny. You, uh, I, I had to catch you out there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but but it's okay. I I, I haven't. Ha I've, I have got the notes there to cover this one, uh, <laughs> if I have to. Uh, um, I, I spoke about. Uh, I think. I think what we you know this towards sustainable workplace health. It, it it is. It's not necessarily a linear linear path that we take. And I mentioned that. Um, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we have uh, lots of investment in process and plans and, and, and things that we essentially do to improve, we think, to improve health and safety. Let's use that word. And, and, and what, we, what we have, what we're doing really is simply, you know, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. We're changing little barriers here and there. We're, 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 we're doing the... The, the things that the boss captain is telling us from a high, whether it's the CEO or the managing director of what, what we have to do, we're doing what we have to do to get the next ISO 45001 audit out the way, et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 and we, 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 we need to change, we have to go a little bit back to semantics. Um, we need to change a business's outlook from saying we need to um, uh, satisfy our shareholders to we need to satisfy our stakeholders, shareholders being one of them, but our stake other stakeholders are not just the legislators and the general public, but for God's sake, it's it's the people on the shop floor that are our stakeholders. Mm. And and once we realise that, we can change the way we look at what we have to do. So we've got all you, you've probably heard me say this before, Sonny, many times. We you know we're so busy doing stuff top down pleasing the boss guy, doing all that stuff. We forget that we have such a strong possibility to do a bottom-up thing. So we focus at the bottom. We focus in the workplaces, sort those out, 
listen to the expertise that and experience that the workers have when you know through joint projects for example uh through toolbox talks through initiatives like that and uh, and just initiate those sorts of upward movement movements through the organization or through the process so i've i've got i've got an idea which i want to bounce off the two of you bringing your conversation and dave and yours kelvin as well but before i give my little pennies worth let me pull in a few uh, comments here um vince is saying silicosis sufferers in the uk today estimate how many so silicosis we know is a, is, a, is a, quite an issue um sean saying my occupational hygiene knowledge has definitely made me a better health and safety professional and is great to work in partnership with occupational hygienists when the opportunity arises. Better professional collaboration is probably the way forward. In fact, Sean has actually positioned me very nicely to something that was rattling around in my head, which I'll share with you in a minute. And Vince is saying, Sean Lundy, I ran the OK Vince saying hygiene to my deep coal mining career, best year I had to develop my so okay. So Kelvin, you said something at the beginning which stuck in my head and i thought to myself <clears throat> we're missing something here uh, you said something about uh, correct me if I'm wrong health risk uh, assessment or something along those lines now when we think about doing risk assessments in in organizations very rarely do we think about risk assessment aspects to do with hygiene is there not something that's missing here whereby we should be educating people or making greater awareness in terms of saying well, when you do a risk assessment although you look at h s and e the h bit is health and hygiene and therefore you should consider these factors involved with it is that something that we could do is that something that's a part of the tools package that you've developed yeah for for sure and i, I think uh, again come back to the um, construction sector uh, right for example sure uh, so a major project uh, running for several years, and uh, as with any other construction project of of a, of a, of a, of a scale, there will be performance metric dashboards yes. which show up, you know, transport safety, lifting safety, yeah. uh, electrical, whatever. And one of those um, lights on the dashboard, if you like, uh, will be health, or historically it has just mm -hmm. been health. Now, here's the issue that uh, these, uh, you know, we've been, we've been talking about traditional occupational health and the amount of investment into all that. Uh, I, I can assure you that uh, when the contracts were set up and they were designing, they're saying we've got to have an occupational health function in here. And so there will be some you know, mighty uh, investment into the doctors and the nurses and the health uh, medical treatment uh, 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 side of things. Um, so if you've just got in one of your pillars, one of your performance metrics uh, for the dashboard health, you're in danger of scoring very highly with health because you've got this massive investment on the doctors and nurses while at the same time neglecting to plan uh, and prevent workplace health risks to understand where exposures are occurring and where, where they are significant and where they're not and how well you're controlling those exposures that uh, can be uh, invisible within the performance uh, metrics so on this uh, particular site I'm working at the moment on Hinkley Point, uh, a fantastic initiative. And this wasn't original thought on my part. I mean, the director of safety down there, bless his cotton socks, um, decided what we need to do, uh, and I would say this is on the back of me relentlessly campaigning on the occupational hygiene soapbox for a couple of years. He'd say, what we need to do is have a separate metric for occupational mm. hygiene, separate from health. So we're not only like measuring a contractor's performance 
uh, in neon lights on the treatment and the clinical side of things. We now have in neon lights, what are we doing to prevent health risks happening in the, in the first place? And uh, the, I, I'm, I'm told, uh, I haven't had time to dig into it myself, but those people who do, the systems folk down there saying, I don't think there's been anything which has given focus on health risks prevention quite like just that simple maneuver of making occupational hygiene visible on the performance dashboard mm -hmm. instead of being hidden within health. Now, the danger, sorry, Dave, you want to go to raise your hand there? Uh, well, yeah, well, what I was going to say about the, the dash, dashboards are, are, are a tool which uh, are, are in the contracts, you know, they're, they're part of the contractual requirements that every contractor, every company involved with the construction has to have. And it's and they've been traditionally, um, as you say, they're, you know, safety. Then we put a bit of occupational health in, and now we've been finally getting occupational hygiene in there. Uh, but I, I, I put a flip on that in that, you know, the actual matrix, the actual metrics that are in there are, are extremely negative. It's how many people have you killed? How many, how many people have got the illness? You know, they're all negative stuff. Now, when I walk around a factory, uh, the things that I see there which are really positive are things like your 5S, your Kaizen type of notices for quality control. They're not saying how bad they were. They're saying how, you know, how, how close they got to perfection. So, uh, you know, how good they were doing. So I think a little bit more of the positives um, would make a huge turnaround for not just for um, what we're trying to do in, 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 in improve people's lives, but also for workers to appreciate what we're actually doing. Mm. I mean, just going on that point, mm. Dave, about leading and mm. lagging indicators. You see, Kelvin, I think what you say is spot on. Um, and I think the problem is that when... When you talk about leadership, leadership chimes around leadership safety, okay? They don't say oh, leadership health or leadership occupational hygiene. You know, it's always leadership safety. But the visibility for performance metrics, leading or lagging, dashboards, etc., is at the C-suite level, at the monthly meetings and those things. I, I, I'm not, in my head, I can't get around, and maybe it's just, because I've got the experience, I can't get around what I would present to an already busy dashboard to a group of leaders to do with occupational hygiene, which I know is a very important subject. But if I was to say, well, I'll pick one from health, one from safety, one from environment, and this is the one that I pick from occupational hygiene, what would be what would be the best ones to pick for a leading or a lagging indicator? Yeah, well, off the top of my head, uh, one of the things we focused on, uh, we, we got the opportunity to write the, the things, yeah? So competency was the first thing oh. we looked at, okay? So what proportion of your staff have qualification X, Y, or Z? Even if it's as basic as the certificate of control of health risks in construction, what proportion of your staff? And the higher the proportion of the staff who are trained in these areas, who are certified in these areas, the higher you will score uh, on that dashboard. Uh, what do your uh, programs look like for control measures? You know, what's the, what's the paper control on that? Are you taking this seriously? Uh, and so on. Because as you say, the difficult thing like uh, with, with hygiene to, to safety, for example, is that, um, Let's think of a good example. It, it would be, um, yeah, safety can be quite easy to measure and for people to perceive because, for example, if you want to prevent a drop from a height, uh, you put a barrier there and the barrier is there or it isn't. And if it's not there, everyone can see the risk. Okay. Uh, but if I say to somebody, you know, do you have your dust under control? And your average worker looks at the workplace and thinking, well, how dusty is that then? How is he going to tell? 
I've, I've got a chance, yeah? Mm -hmm. And so it's a bit more complicated and difficult to work with those metrics. So I, I, I take your point completely on that. So we do have to think a bit laterally about what kind of issues are going to, you know, make the difference mm -hmm. uh, w w with it. Um, but I find on the whole, I mean, like, is um, one or two times, you know, you, as as what happens in a job, like I've had an altercation when the two people pushing back on some of the occupational hygiene recommendations that, that we've given. Uh, and, and to be fair, asking reasonable questions because we're giving results and we're telling people there's a problem here, this is not acceptable. They would look at it and thinking, how, where? I can't see what the problem is. Everyone goes home at the end of the day and uh, their ears aren't bleeding, you know, they're not coughing their lungs up, they feel fine. They think they got mm -hmm. away with it. It's only 20, mm -hmm. 30 years uh, down the road. So, but I've found with, with, with several people now who've rightly challenged me on the recommendations I'm making, if we'd taken the time to educate them, present them, talk about you know, how occupational hygiene exposures work, how, how workplace exposure works from day to day, person to person, and the impacts and what we can do, uh, the buy-in has been tremendous. Um, it, it's not a marginal argument. It's not a balanced argument. It's, it's absolutely blindingly obvious what is, you know, good practice and the benefits of achieving that good practice. And mm -hmm. as long as you've got some way of communicating that properly, you generally don't have a difficulty uh, with stuff out there, I find. Mm -hmm. is, is, there, um, is there a document in your toolkit where you can actually say to people, include this in your risk assessment? And if you're talking about health, this is what you're looking at. If you're talking about hygiene, this is what you're looking at. Um, and I know you have different sectors in you know, construction and different type of activities, but one of the difficulties that we've had, and I've been in this for 30 years, just as long as you guys would suspect, one of the things we find difficult is that it's very difficult to change the, the discussions unless you have something that you can look at and say, well, there's there's the road, there's a you know, roadmap. If we're going to talk about this, we're going to apply it to our five by five matrix. We're going to do this. See, that's the other thing. Matrices and organization, when you talk about risk assessment matrices, they don't really cater for hygiene as such, do they? You see safety, health, environment, uh, financial, but you don't see one for hygiene. Yeah, there, there are ways of doing it. It's, uh, but it is different from safety. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, like, yeah. yeah, let me give you one like simple example about a hygiene uh, risk matrix different from safety. Uh, for safety, if they've got like uh, the possibility of multiple fatalities, okay, yeah, uh, then that gets you know red lights, blue light job. Everybody's like uh, all over it, multiple fatalities. Okay. Sure. But where does multiple fatalities sit in, in a hygiene uh, risk assessment? Uh, so, for example, there could be a dust exposure going on. Okay. Mm. You take you say you take five thousand staff expose them all to dust. Uh, chances are some of them are going to uh, develop a, a life-limiting disease as a result of that. A few of them could, okay? That's multiple fatalities. Mm. But when you look at uh, what's going on in all the day, it doesn't look like it uh, uh, at all. And it might be reasonable to like, uh, say, say for example, the barrier, the work and heights thing. People are dying. They're falling from a height. You need to put the barrier up now, okay? Uh, with some dust exposures, you may have the opportunity for like a, for a few months, you know, depending on you know usual caveats that go along with that. But you may have a bit more time to try and introduce control measures and work with it. And so your risk, uh, might, even though it's multiple fatalities, might be a, a different kind of like proportionate response to that in and of the moment than if there's something like a lack of a barrier to prevent people falling from a great height. Mm, mm, I don't know what mm. you think of that, Dave. Mm, no, 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 you're right, uh, Kelvin, in, in terms of the, the matrix of uh, risk. Uh, I, I mean, and, 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 you know, this comes back to our tool. The tool that we're talking about is health risk assessment. Mm. And, 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 uh, and you could call that hygiene risk assessment if you like, 
Um, it's, it's probably H and H uh, when the ones that I've done uh, on uh, large construction sites. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and wherever I've done that, um, the, the trick I've had to make sure I got to get any recognition at all was to make sure I linked it to the business risk register. And once I got that, that means I had a, a direct line to the legal, to the finances, to the CEO, to the C-suite. Once I got that link in, uh, we can follow it through the design. We can follow it through the operations and maintenance and put various, um, um, I've just seen uh, Vince's thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, put various hooks on there to the various contracts that we dish out to make and, and as performance standards uh, for the various contractors. And so it goes on. And so we can actually build it into the supply chain of, of, of the project and of the business and the man manufacturing company or whatever we're talking about. So I think, you know, as a tool, the health risk assessment is really, really powerful because it holds mm. people to account in a very meaningful way. Mm. I think it's a strange one... thing. Sorry, sorry. Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's a strange thing, Dave, that uh, in some sectors, the health risk assessment process is well embedded mm. uh, for, for a long, mm. since the mid 20th century. Uh, but in mm. other industries I work in, it's like, it's all news. There is such <laughs> a thing as a health risk assessment. I yeah, it, it is. It is quite an anomaly. Uh, sorry, Cam. I was just going to go on to say that um, I I found myself on this journey having learned things, and that is, I was I was a bit naive in putting the H as health, but it's really hygiene. Firstly, and secondly, the thing that's concerning me a little bit is in an already very crowded room, which we're in now where we're competing for pixel space and airspace and volume space and everything else. We have a bunch of things going on. We've got health, safety, and environment, the traditional. We've got workplace safety, process safety. We've got MHRA now in, which is mental health uh, risk assessments and uh, first aids. We've got other things going on uh, to do with psychology and psychobabble and all the other things and so on. Are we in danger of boiling the ocean here? Uh, I think the thing is to make sure for all the different areas is uh, I take the view, uh, I don't care who's preaching the message as long as the message is preached. So, mm. so long as I can look at any one of those operators, any one of those stakeholders and work to make sure that a good occupational hygiene practice is embedded in what they're saying somewhere, uh, I, then I'd be content. Mm. I, I, I don't have, mm. I, I'm not you know, here to kind of like be empire building for like occupational hygiene profession trade, if you want to put it that way it's more or less getting good practice out there protecting workers protecting their health is our number one you know priority uh, and so on that's what we well, sign up well, to do but, but that, that's that's the irony of it all we're all we're all on the yeah. same mission aren't we we want to go from yeah one place to another with zero accidents if that's ever possible you know there's always going to be something depending on the timeline and everything else but let's not argue about it. that's another totally different conversation but we want to get our people home safely okay but in that journey of going from A to Z, we've got all these grenades being thrown at us, all these uh, thoughts and everything else. But fundamentally, our journey is the same. We're, all of us are on the same mission. And I think you're right, Kelvin. We really need to pick those battles smartly or those, uh, uh, those uh, challenges smartly. Otherwise, we could be focusing on the wrong thing. Dave, what do you think? Well, well, um, I, I don't disagree with any of that, but I, I think what we have to think about is where are all our resources? You know, we've got hundreds of people doing all these risk assessments of various colour and acronyms and uh, everything else. 
and you know and and we are supporting a top-down process and once again i use that word i mean when i go and see clients for the first time and there generally is a second time fortunately but in the first time i say well, there's nothing special about health and safety um you know there's nothing special at all about it it's just you know it's just part of you know it should be part of the you know uh, here's a collo colloquialism that we've gained in the last few years embed it within the dna of your organization i mean for god's sake i mean it's everybody's responsibility right so so what we have to do is work with everybody and we have to that's why i say you know i mean if you talked to me 35 years ago when i started in the profession i would have said what about the workers and I'll say it again. What about the workers? You know, that's where that that's the key to what we're trying to do. You know, you know, it's not it's not covering our bums with um, with paper. You know, it's not picking up the check at the end of the day from the managing director saying I'm going to promote you next year because you didn't kill anybody. It you know, it's 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 all about the people on the shop floor, and we have to really focus on what do they want. We can't overload them with yet another thing that says. Go to Dave because he's the health and safety guy. Go to Calvin because he's the occupational hygienist. Go to go to Sonny because he knows about mental health. You know, I mean, you can't do that. No. You know, it's got to be it's got to be innate and intrinsic to the organisation. Yeah, you're right. I mean, pigeonholing and putting people into these mm. slots is is going to is going to probably uh, backfire in one way or another. I mean, I. I, I we're okay you know in the sense that we've got over 10 years of experience some of us have got a lot more than that um but i feel very i don't know i feel a bit bad for the people who are just setting off in this game you know uh because we we as the oldie oldies should try and set a path out which becomes easier <laughs> to travel upon but we tend to make it more rocky and <laughs> full, full of potholes everywhere um I, I think that the toolkit that you're producing is going to be fantastic. My only concern is that how are we going to mesh it in with work as is now, uh, especially as we become more remote working, if that's what people are saying. You know, how, how is the occupational hygiene sphere going to suffer if people start to work more remotely? Is there going to be an impact, Kelvin? Um, to, to some degree, uh, I, I'm sure, but uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm not going to lose and sleep over that, knowing that most of the places where you know the, the significant risks occur are not going on uh, in, in the mm -hmm. house. I mean, we've got all the economic risks and a few other kind of things besides that, um, but the stuff that kind of keeps us awake at night is happening elsewhere, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Zakari is coming with a comment. It says people, people safety, making sure workers, stakeholders are the same. Do not forget to add the community safety surrounding your site. That is why we have safety for caring about people and keeping people in the center. Well, we know it's all about people, don't we? And everybody everybody knows we don't want uh, accidents, injuries, fatalities, and all those things. Um, mm. Like I said, it's been, a, it's been a discovery journey for me. I'm really pleased that, Kelvin, you've given us your time today. I know you've got to dash off soon as well. So um, let's have some closing thoughts. Dave, start with you. Do you think that we've taken these discussions forward in a certain way where we think we've uh, imparted some knowledge? Um, well, I hope so. I think we've certainly educated the many, many people out there on, in, in this fora uh, yeah. to uh, uh, just what we're trying to do in terms of workplace health and, and protecting workers and, and uh, their workplaces. And, and, and 
I'll just finish on an example, I think, um, um, Sonny, if I may. Of and he, I can see his eyes going, what's he going to say now? Uh, <laughs> me? No, no, that's, that's just me looking at all the comments coming in, that's all. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we brought up home working, and I've been working with um, several companies on the COVID-19 uh, precautions that they're taking for their home workers. And I've been amazed at the innovation that has been shown on how people can get round. And, and you see it every day. I mean, you know, we're, we're on, um, on, on this media now. I mean, we're all obviously experts in Zoom and Microsoft Teams. Um, if you've been following the COVID uh, uh, story, we're all experts on those now. Every yeah, every several million of us uh, in the country who take an interest in such things. So I think, you know, don't forget that people have a lot of core innovation within them and to solve some of these problems together and, and, and as teams, you know. Mm -hmm. I think Sean has said back to basics, and I think it's is absolutely right, Sean, back to basics and not a big fan of the uh, acronym KISS, but especially the S bit for stupid. I think keep it simple sounds a lot better for me. As long as we keep it simple, I think we're, in a, we're on a winning uh, winning trick there. Um, Kelvin, some closing thoughts from you? Yeah, uh, just to kind of recap on uh, theme today towards sustainable workplace health. Uh, and I think uh, something which could, uh, could sum up some part of the discussion is one, we need to be anticipating and designing out health risks at work. Uh, Obviously, that's the bread and butter of the occupational hygienists, but we as a society need to be doing our utmost to skill up across the board uh, so that people can do that. Uh, even if a hygienist is about, they've got the basic principles that they're working with. Mm. Do that, we can focus on understanding, managing the prevention that's going on in the workplace, using full range of options to control that risk. That's That could be, uh, you could be engaging a hygienist for that, but uh, the options could be the psychologists, could be the vocational rehab people, could be the mental health and, and so on, okay? Mm. Using that full range of options to control the risk. And then on the back of that, targeting where the occupational health, as it's been traditionally understood, needs to be focused. Mm. I think mm. it should be coming in at that point there, as mm. opposed to people's first port of call, being a doctor and the nurse and involvement. Mm -hmm. Well, can I can I just say thank you to you both because um, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that occupational hygiene has not been at the forefront for me in terms of what I do in terms of health, safety, and environment, process safety, and everything else. But going forwards, I'm going to make sure that I do add it to my vocabulary. And I think everybody out there in the health, safety, environment sphere should account for the fact that there are two H's, maybe even three H's, but certainly hygiene should be one of the H's that should be in there. And when you think about that and you do risk assessments, take into consideration the hygiene aspects. And if you're not sure what to do, reach out to Kelvin, reach out to the BOHS and ask, and their website will also have the necessary information and connect with Kelvin on LinkedIn, also Dave Rogers on LinkedIn as well. Uh, but other than that, I, I have found it a journey of discovery. I've never done a show where I've not found it a journey of discovery. So thank you very much for enlightening me and also the audience out there. I know you've got to dash off. So I will just say, stay tuned. Tomorrow, by the way, folks, I've got my session with Jimmy Quinn, president of IOSH. And we're going to look at back, look backwards and look forwards with Jimmy Quinn. But other than that, Kelvin, thank you so much for your time today. And Dave, thank you as always. I speak to you all the time anyway, but thank you so much for your time as well. You're very welcome. All right. yeah, my pleasure. All right, speak to you in a bit. Bye for now, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by and watching that live event. If you want to be notified of future live events, head over to our website, 
which is just redriscsmedia.com. There's a form on there. Hit the subscribe button and I'll update you whenever live events come up. I promise you, no spam. And finally, we do have a YouTube channel. It's just simply Red Risks. Please subscribe and help us. Let's connect, share and learn. Thanks. Catch you on the next live event.